0: god's view of the way power is wielded is completely different than the way we do in our fallenness because we think power is supposed to make us look strong and God says no, he who is weak is strong he who chooses not to display his power is actually the most powerful and oftentimes, in the face of true supernatural spiritual power men of lower understanding just want to exert force When Moses assured the people that God would
1: lead them out of Egypt, those that believed him might have pictured a quick resolution, with the people just walking out. But God's deliverance wasn't a snap of the finger. As Pastor Daniel will teach today, we grow during the process, and he changes us to be the people he wants us to be, into the image of Christ. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Encounter with Pharaoh.
0: the protection that Moses is receiving at the hand of women who are caring about him. And it's interesting, it doesn't say, how's the poor? No, she just knew. She circumcised her own son. I mean, could you imagine this? I can't, no, I don't even want to imagine this. But she does it. She throws it at his feet. And she says, you're a husband of blood to me. Now, it's, you know what's amazing about this? We don't even know what that actually means. It comes off sounding very pejorative, But it may not be. I mean, blood in the Bible is actually the symbol of something that purifies. It's a symbol of life. So I don't want to read into Zipporah's motive. I don't want to necessarily read into God's motive because we don't know. But once the circumcision was done, God relented. He relented in doing harm to Moses. Just one more thing about this section. I really want to encourage you to allow God in your heart to be as wild and free as he really is. When I read this, I mean, you know, I, listen, I read so many scholars and I've been reading this section for a while trying to get a handle on it and, you know, I could bore you with all these different takes on it. But the one take that comes over and over again in my heart is that God Acts in accordance with his perfect ways And we look at that we say I mean he just called the guy He didn't even give him a warning And then he goes after him And you read the same thing in the book of Acts When Ananias and Sapphira sell their land And they kept back part of the money And they pretended like they gave all the money And they dropped dead in the congregation And we think to ourselves What is this? What do we do with this? These are one of those Times when I say that I don't understand God's Ways but I know that God is God And I am not So we'll trust him Even though I have no clue How God could call a man And then seek to kill him on the way But again God isn't Safe if you read your Bible That's what you find isn't it If you read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation And not just in the Old Testament Or just in the New Testament God just isn't Safe and in a lot Of ways we want to save God don't we we want it neat and tidy But from cover to cover God's a wild man God does things his own way He has his own plans He's unpredictable And what I am constantly learning As a Christian As a follower of Jesus As a son of God Is to not try and put God in a neat tidy box But let's let's rejoice in his unpredictability knowing that he is good and his ways are good. And when we know all things as we are known, no one will be able to say, God, you messed up. Because when it's all opened and everything is revealed, when the veil that we see through is taken away, at that juncture we'll say, oh, God, you are too good. Your ways are too right. Let's keep moving on. Verse 27 Then God said to Aaron, go into the wilderness and meet Moses. So he went and met him on the mountain of God and kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words that the Lord had sent him. And all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. First, we have the reunion with Aaron on the Mount of God. It's very simple, very direct. They meet up. They're stoked to see each other. It's been a, probably about 40 years or longer since they got to be together. They hugged each other. They kissed each other on the neck. They were pumped. Moses said, Aaron, you'll never believe what's going on. And he'll say, well, maybe I might because God told me to come meet you out here. We ran into each other in the middle of the wilderness. But they get together, they talk, Moses fills them in and then from there they go to have their reception with the elders of Israel. Now remember all of Moses' questions and concerns? Do you see any of those going on here? The people are just stoked that God came and spoke and God has seen what's going on and God wants to act. So all of the excuses, all of the fears, all of the, I don't know how this is going to happen. None of it happened. The people heard and they were like right on. God sees what's going on and God is going to act on our behalf. And notice, they bow their head. That's a sign of reverence. When you bow your head and then they worshiped. I remember we, uh, Watching a movie about Francis of Assisi And when Francis of Assisi Who renounced his worldly possessions And lived amongst the poor and, and when he went to go meet the Pope Before he met the Pope They came out and they gave him the briefing On how he's supposed to treat the Pope And it was pretty much don't raise your hand Don't look at the Pope in the eyes Because the Pope is holy and you are not And in this scene yeah, Francis of Assisi Literally looking at the floor Talking to the Pope but not looking at him so that idea of bowing your head, it means I am not worthy to be face-to-face with you. And I think that's the proper heart posture for worship. That's the same thing when you raise your hands, when people do that. I know if you don't go to church very much or if you don't really come, you see that, you're like, those people are weird. All right? I remember when I first started going to church, people were raising their hand. I'm like, is someone going to get their questions? I didn't, know, I didn't get it at all, man. I didn't get it at all. And then I started thinking, man, these people are really weird. And then I went to a rock concert, and everyone's was going like this. I'm like, oh, those guys raised their hand too. But the idea in worship, when you raise your hand, is you're saying, God, I want to receive of you. That you, you have what I need. You are who I need. So I raise my hands, and I bow my head. And I worship you because you are greater than I. You are greater than I. And I like that. When we realize that God hears, notice God hasn't done anything yet, but they realize that God hears and that provokes worship. That worship begins to flow simply because God knows what's going on. Now, as we move into chapter five, look at what happens. In verse one, afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three day journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us "'with pestilence and with the sword. "'And the king of Egypt said to them, "'Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people "'from their work? "'Get back to your labor.' "'And Pharaoh said, "'Look, the people of the land are many now, "'and you make them rest from their labor?' "'So the same day, Pharaoh commanded "'the taskmasters of the people and their officers, "'saying, you shall no longer give the people straw "'to make bricks as before. "'Let them go and gather straw for themselves.' And you shall lay on them the quote of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. Now, check this out. Moses, Aaron, everyone's excited. They go before Pharaoh, and they said, Pharaoh! The Lord God of Israel came And he wants us to go worship him And Pharaoh says Well I don't know who that guy is Now you have to realize That when Moses and Aaron Walk into Pharaoh Now Pharaoh was Perceived or displayed To be a god in Egypt Much like the Romans Their emperors Their Caesars Were considered to be gods Thank God we don't do that Too much in America Not too much Because there, we do have a Kind of a savior complex For every candidate for president No matter who wins or loses Everyone's seen as a savior We do it a little bit But we're a little too sophisticated Because we're a more rational bunch We don't worship as much But when they walk in there And say that That's a very subversive thing to say It's a very subversive thing to say Hey this God came and said "We want You need to let us go and worship And Pharaoh's like I don't know who that guy is Why would I listen to him And that's really going to be As we're going to look at all the plagues And all these things that happened This is the crux of the issue Pharaoh's like I don't know who the Lord is Who this Yahweh is The God of the Hebrews I don't know who he is I don't believe in him And it's going to be a battle of wills Between Yahweh and the hard obstinate heart of Pharaoh That's what all this is about All of these plagues is about This one situation Now it's interesting They try again Please let us go and then Pharaoh decides, I see what's going on here. What's going on here is that you guys are lazy. You don't have enough work to do. He says, why are you trying to wait, take away these people from their work? Get back to work. You want to make this large multitude rest in their labors. And so he goes to their taskmaster that same day. Pharaoh is incensed. He goes to the people who are slave driving over the children of Israel. He says, listen, keep the same quota bricks But instead of giving them straw to make the bricks, make them go get their own straw. So make it harder for them. And he's saying, because what's going on here is these people aren't working hard enough. And because they're not working hard enough, they're getting lazy and they want to go have a feast in the wilderness to their God. And it's interesting that this is often the way empire responds to the things of God. To try and suppress it by hard power. So you have to realize The predominant view of power Is that it's on display And then Jesus comes And his view of power is meekness Although he could have had legions of angels In the garden of Gethsemane He chose to be arrested Although he didn't need to take the cross He didn't have to be there And he had all the power to get himself off of there He chose to serve the world by taking the cross See The gospel view of power is not what's on display But a power that relinquishes its own power To gain more power I was just having this talk You know, my son Obadiah, he's seven You know, and he's That testosterone's starting to happen in him He's got hair growing on his legs and stuff Like a little dude man, you know And there was a kid in the neighborhood And he was getting rough with some of the kids And I said, Obadiah, I'm like A strong man doesn't need to push people around That's what weak men do to make themselves think they're strong. But a strong man knows how to handle himself but chooses not to. He's like, like Jesus. I'm like, exactly. Like Jesus. Because God's view of the way power is wielded is completely different than the way we do in our fallenness. Because we think power is supposed to make us look strong. And God says, no, he who is weak is strong. He who chooses not to display his power is actually the most powerful. And oftentimes, in the face of true supernatural spiritual power, men of lower understanding just want to exert force. Just want to exert force. So Pharaoh's like, make them work harder. So notice what happens in verse 10. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, thus says Pharaoh... I will not give you straw. Go, get yourself straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt, verse 12, to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, fulfill your work, your daily quota. As when there was straw, also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick? both yesterday and today as before. Verse 15, Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make brick, and indeed your servants are beaten. But the fault is in your own people. Verse 17, But he said, You are idle, idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work For no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. To put a sword in their hand to kill us. Now, notice the struggle now that begins. God has called Moses and Aaron. They go, they talk to the elders. Everyone's excited. They go to Pharaoh, and everyone thinks it's going to be a spiritual slip and slide. Just easy street. God's at work. And right away, struggle happens. Right away. They start crying to their taskmasters What are you doing? It's not our fault You used to give us straw You don't give us straw anymore This isn't our fault We're getting in trouble You guys are doing it And then they go before Pharaoh Trying to get things right with Pharaoh And Pharaoh's like, no, no You are idle You're idle And then when they come out Who's in trouble? (laughs) Moses and Aaron They're like, man May the Lord judge you guys You did this to us They're going to kill us I want to bring out something out of this because, listen, we all know that no pain, no gain. Jesus uses the example of, of a woman delivering a child. That's not a pretty sight, but it gets the job done. And at the end, when, when a child is born, nobody ever complains about the labor after. They just look at the little baby and like, oh, so cute. See, oftentimes, when God wants to do a work, Things get worse before they get better. It's been great here at Crosses. We've been seeing so many people coming to know the Lord on Sundays. It's so awesome. That never gets old. One of my, the greatest blessings I have is in the family room as as people come and introduce themselves to me and get to talk with them. I always say, listen, you know, just because you put your faith and trust in Jesus doesn't mean tomorrow's gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy, but God will be with you. Because oftentimes we think that when God is in it It's just going to flow so naturally The best things in life take work, don't they? And the gospel message is not one of ease It's one of faith Which says that even though this is hard I'm going to trust in you I mean, did the children of Israel forget That they were enslaved under hard bondage Before Moses and Aaron got there? All of a sudden, they're like, oh, it was so great before. And now Pharaoh's not not being nice to us. It's like, no, Pharaoh was horrible to you before. It's getting a little harder now, but God's doing something. God's doing something. We forget that we want the end, but God is in the process. We want the outcome, but God works the most in the midst of the grind of it. And I don't know about you, but no matter how long I've walked with the Lord, I struggle with that. I'm just like, okay, Lord, you said this, then boom. But when he said this, all these things have to happen. And I grow as a child of God in the midst every single day. And then what's amazing is when you get to the outcome, guess what? There's a whole other thing that started. Because we were always in process. Process. But the children of Israel think this is going to be easy. Think this is just going to be God called us and Pharaoh's going to say right on go, have fun. But it doesn't work that way. And I'm quite sure today right now that in this sanctuary or maybe watching on the, you know, on our live stream or our, listening to this on our on our app or somewhere that right now God has called you to something and you've taken the first step or the first few steps and things are not going well. We know the story Even though we're only in chapter 5 of the book of Exodus We know where this ends up We know that God delivers them by a mighty hand So mighty that the children of Israel date their calendar And celebrate this deliverance every single year Even to this day By such a great deliverance But God's deliverance isn't a snap of the finger Although he could do it that way But he chooses not to because he knows in the process you and I will grow. And God will conform us into the image of Christ, which is who we really want to be. We don't want to be just the way we are. We want to be us transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of Jesus walking in our shoes. And that doesn't happen at the end. That's in the process. So if you're hitting that kind of a situation, like the children of Israel... Where God's in the process of doing a work, but it's getting tougher. I want to encourage you just to look up for your redemption draws near. Get your eyes on the Lord and say, Lord, give me the faith to trust you as this is challenging. Because that's where the growth happens, brothers and sisters. God's been doing this a long time and he's good at what he does. Our job is not to understand. Our job is to trust and to believe. They're mad at Moses and Aaron, but notice verses 22 and 23, I'm going to close here. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. Moses comes back to the Lord and is like, his question is, why? Why, Lord? Why? Now, if this was a, a TV series, you'd get some very dramatic music, and then you'd get To Be Continued. You're going to see it. And if you can't wait, if, if just, you know, that kind of, that drama and that waiting is just too much for you, just read the first eight verses of Exodus chapter 6, and you find God saying, I will do this. I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, and I will do this. Moses doesn't understand, the people don't understand, but God's at work, and God is doing something. And so for us, I want to encourage you to take heart. Take heart. A verse that we've been talking about a lot as a staff is to not be weary in doing good, knowing that in due season you will reap If you do not lose heart. And I think in the midst of struggle and trial, things being difficult, not as easy as we'd like them to be, brothers and sisters, don't be weary in well doing. Don't be weary in stepping out on the calling God has on your life. But know that in due season, you will reap if you do not lose heart. What that means is that it may not be harvest time for our lives. But don't be weary, don't stop In due season you will reap If you don't quit And brothers and sisters God is too amazing To be quit on But we have to keep on Keeping on It was true for Moses and for Aaron For the children of Israel True for Samson Gideon David the Prophet Daniel, the Prophet Jeremiah Our own Lord Jesus all the apostles and a great cloud of witnesses, people who followed Jesus for the last few thousand years. If it's good enough for them, let's ask God for the grace for it to be good enough for us.
1: Jesus is real. The more the people said, let us go, the harder Pharaoh worked the people. God worked in the people in spite of it. As Pastor Daniel said, we're growing in the midst of the trial even more than when we reach the outcome because God is faithful to His children. We know that God doesn't need our money, but He uses our finances to help further His kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. Pastor Daniel covered quite a bit in today's message.
0: Perhaps you'd like to review... You can listen to today's message again by logging on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The
1: address is info at JesusIsRealRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Jesus Is Real Radio is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel reminds us that if you want to make a beautiful bottle of wine, you have to crush the grapes. We'll hear about Moses and what he faced after Egypt. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.